Hi, I'm Rob McCallum, director of NES Club Nintendo Quest and host of GamerCast, and you're listening to Two Dudes and an S. Hey, Jess. What's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot. we got a uh, special guest today, as is the usual Two Dudes style. Yeah? Uh-huh. But Bring this guest is pretty style. cool, one we haven't had before. Jay... Mm-hmm. From the Nintendo Quest. Hey guys, how are you today? It's good to be on the show finally. I'm pretty excited, so. Good, because if you weren't excited, we were definitely going to kick you off. And we were just going to stop the show, not do it. Forget it. That's it. Up the table, it's over. Episode's over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My desk is pretty heavy. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. Um, This one's pretty heavy, too. So. Yeah. All right. Got all my so, life's work stuff on, so I'm not gonna do that. Your life's work. My wife's work stuff. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said you said you had your life's work. I was like, what does that amount to? A couple <laughs> notebooks and some coffee or something? How dare you! <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right. so Jay, what's yes. happening, man? You got uh, all kinds of Nintendo Questy type things going on. Oh man, it, it is blown up crazy. Um, we're just past the halfway point on the second Kickstarter, which is to uh, get the physical disc produced. Uh, we're at about 14,000 now, um, which is great. So everyone's who pledges is going to be getting that third bonus disc. And our new stretch goal is 25,000, and that is to put into production our very own actual NES cart. It's an actual working game for the system based on uh, the Nintendo Quest film, so we're working really hard to push that, as I'm sure you see every five seconds on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but and that sounds really cool, because uh, Jess and I will turn around and do a show about it. Oh, yeah. that's awesome, man. That's, yeah. yeah that'd be yeah. cool. But yeah, I, I, I actually backed this time. I was hoping Rob would get to come on the show with us, too, because I was going to give him a hard time, because I didn't back you guys the first time, and we kind of had a little make-believe type spout on the Shovel Knight episode. So I was going to give him a hard time again. But Rob likes to cast the uh, antagonistic spell a lot. He's a bit of an instigator, and uh, it's all in good fun, though. Yeah, I mean, man, that was like two years ago when we first appeared on the scene, and it seems like a lifetime ago, and we were kind of the new kids on the block. So I think now everyone's starting to really see that, okay, this is a real film that's coming out. It's not just... Uh, you know, a quick pickup video that we did or anything like that. It's an actual feature-length film, so getting pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more near the end of the show about it, maybe. I, I put up on Facebook, seeing if anybody had any questions for you guys. I don't know if anybody responded to that, and I don't know if I can find it again, but if I can, there may be a question or two there. That's cool. We'll come back to it, but tonight we are going to talk about Zelda 2. Yes, I can't wait. My uh, favorite NES game of all time, hands oh, down. Awesome. Wow, hands right. down. Awesome. You may not, you may not like us by the end of the show, or you may love us. I don't know. I... We'll see. <laughs> Wildly right, popular so, game. Yeah. Justin, yes. did you do us your little your little history bit? You know what would be cool? 
How about Justin's historical tidbits and trivia? That would be cool. I could if you'd like. I'd love it. All right. So this game came out of Research and Development 4, R&D 4, as uh, a lot of famous, probably some of the biggest franchises in Nintendo history did. Uh, the Mario series, obviously uh, invented by Shigeru Miyamoto, who was also the creator of the original Legend of Zelda, and then he created this game, and along with Takashi Tezuka. Uh, who returned to write the story. However, uh, Miyamoto decided when he made this game, he wanted it to be uh, a lot different from the original Zelda, which we'll talk about when we get into the gameplay. But So he actually, they, they hired a whole new team, except for him and Tezuka, to come in and make this game. And so they brought in the, the whole side-scrolling aspect to it that you didn't sit see in the first part and uh, made, a, made a very different game from than what uh, they originally created in the first Zelda. And then the game's music was actually create, uh, composed by Akito Nakasuka. <laughs> How do you like that? Good? That's pretty, good. That's pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close? Are you friends I, with Nakakusa? I mean, you may have been spot on for all I know. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. Which was actually um, kind of different, which was different from a lot of the Zelda series games because usually uh, the music is composed by Koji Kondo um, when, when it comes to the Zelda games. And so this was a little step in a different direction for them. Um, also, this game was the only sequel to Zelda, as a lot of the other games were prequels to the original Legend of Zelda. Uh, so this game was released in the for the Famicom, of course, first, um, rather than the uh, Nintendo. Nintendo actually didn't come out for a couple years, um, actually almost two years exactly. Uh, the Famicom re was released in January of 1987. And then the NES version didn't come out until December of 1988. So, did I say 87 or did I say 97? I think you said 87. I, you said 87, man. You're good. Okay. You're good. Okay. Hey, can I go, since, since you stuttered there for a minute, can I go on a quick Zelda tangent? Because this is our first Zelda episode. Right, go ahead. I'm kind of chomping at the bit to go on a real quick Zelda tangent. It may be quick, I don't know. Is it related to cats? No, but I, maybe two Zelda tangents then, in that case. Okay. All right. <laughs> no. We've already talked about my cat named Zelda, so I won't get into that again. But uh, <laughs> no, the timeline thing. When what what do you guys think about this when they released this timeline thing? Because that kind of was it. Kind of got under my skin. It kind of bugged me. I never really wanted a timeline. I always saw it as a kind of a retelling of a of a story. Kind of like you know how in, in history before there was written word or whatever they always had. It was just word of mouth. People just tell the same story in different ways. I always kind of saw Zelda like that. And then they come out with this timeline thing. Just kind of screwed my whole theory up. Oh, I like. I actually like the way Wind Waker did it. Where you're a boy who follows the legend of Link. You know what I mean? You're not actually Link. And I kind of take every Zelda, except 1 and 2, into that. I mean, 1 is 1 and 2 is a sequel to that. Beyond that, I mean, Link to the Past is what, before the first one, and then after that it gets really confusing for me. 
Yeah, alternate timelines and stuff. Yeah, except for Majora's Mask is directly after Orcarina because it says it right at the beginning. But, like, Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, dude, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no idea. So. <laughs> you have an no. opinion, Justin? Do you care? No, I mean, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it until reading about this episode, but um, I could see where you're coming from on that, though. Uh, I don't know. I just something you yeah. know, growing up playing them. That was just kind of my thoughts, and then the, as more games came on the scene, it kind of changes. Like Wind Waker started to kind of change it up, and Skyward Sword. I haven't even played Skyward Sword yet, so I don't even know what that's about. No. My brother says he no. loves it, so I don't know. It may be good. Hey, I just don't like the, I don't like the waggly stuff. Yeah, it's it's hailed as probably one of the greatest Zeldas of all time. I didn't get past the beginning part because I, I'm with you guys there. I don't like waggling my hand every two seconds. And that one specifically, you have to turn Link's sword to do some puzzles and to beat different enemies. And just not for me, man. I like the traditional D-pad mm -hmm. style. Okay. So. All right, Justin. Sorry to take you on a tangent. Go back to the No, next. no, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, just a couple things just to kind of run through uh, uh, some key points here. The Game Over screen, which we actually talked about last week in the Kung Fu episodes, the Game Over Return of Ganon scene where Ganon comes up. Um, Landon was talking about it. It scares him. It scared him as a kid. You remember that? Yeah, did it give him seizures too? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't think he said anything about seizures, but uh, um, he said it scared him. But that ver that was not in the Famicom version. That was in the only in the American version. The the Famicom version said "Game Over: Return of Ganon," but didn't have the picture of him. Did come? Huh. Did so, you know that they uh, they actually took out the flickering? I think in the when in the virtual console releases of the game. That makes sense. I guess I don't know why. I guess maybe it's because of seizure-inducing. I would assume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always kind of, I always kind of like to flicker myself. Do you guys yeah. mind if I jump in here and just talk about Ganon for a quick sec? Is that cool? Yeah, hit it up. Yeah, jump yeah. in as many times as you want. Okay, cool. Here, here's a question for both of you, and maybe you can answer it because I don't understand. What the hell happened to Ganon? Okay, he was this big pig that was a wizard. And then, like, later on, he became, like, this slick, like, warrior-looking dude. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what's going on there? Do you guys have any clue? Come on, I don't help. know. See, I think, uh, I think, didn't they start adding the dwarf on the end? I think, well, I think, I think well, dwarf makes him, makes him kind of a... a well, Ganondorf was, you know, Ganon before he became the powerful wizard, which that I get. But when he becomes Ganon, he's, it's kind of the same, I don't know, I just... The return of Ganon's screen just reminded me of the classic Ganon. I really wish that had stuck with that a bit more. Yeah, well, he's only really—he um, was in the cartoons as as the as the pig guy, and he's only in Zelda One. He's not actually in two, other than the the kill screen, right? Because I mean, he's, right? Yeah. He, they're actually trying to bring him back or something. We may get into that when we talk about the story. But I don't know. That's a good. That's a good point. I don't know what happened to the pig guy. He kind of turns into a pig at the end of. Um, what is the uh, Ocarina of Time? Doesn't he kind of turn into a pig at the very, very oh, end? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, was, I, I like the pig again. <laughs> he's sentimental to me. So I like the pig again. Maybe that's his ultimate form when he's finally fully evolved. He's he turns into he's, a pig. He's a pig, right? <laughs> fully evolved, or maybe it's the opposite. I don't know. Yeah, I like pig. Remember pig? Uh, well, never mind. Not gonna go into that story. <laughs> Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, 
But that was a tangent that was kind of mean, but I'm not going to go into it. Yeah, um, okay. So, don't, yeah, don't go into that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so this was... Uh, the Adventure of Link was re-released in 2003 on the Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition for the GameCube and releases the classic NES series for Game Boy Advance in 2004. Now this was one of the more, more, more popular games for the NES. Um, it sold, the goal, the game ultimately sold 4.38 million copies worldwide, making it the fifth best-selling NES game behind the Super Mario Brothers series and the first Legend of Zelda. So one of the most uh, sold games. It was rated 110th on Nintendo's Power's Top 200 Games, which I kind of thought was low when I saw IGN had it as 21. Um, and... But those both... One of them's Nintendo games in general, and one of them's NES games, though, right? Right, yeah. Right, which is true. And in August 2008, Nintendo Power did list it as the 12th best any Nintendo Entertainment System video game. So, um, and Nintendo Power also named it the Game of the Year in 1988. So, uh, we will, that about wraps it up for what I've got for history. There's a lot on this game and the creators are in D4, but we'll, we'll get on into the, the meat and potatoes of the show. Uh, Mike, did you have this game or did you go on some quest to find the cart speaking of quests here's michael's quest to find the cart so the meat and potatoes of the show is my quest for the cart yes oh nice that's okay. the meat no that's the, the meat. meat okay the meat uh actually i have no idea where this game yeah. came from i've had this game for as long as i can remember but i don't remember how i got it most games i can remember how i got them but this one in particular, I'm not exactly sure. That's kind of a, a gray area for me. Cool. What about you? I did, you were telling me before the show that you just got it like a couple days ago. Just got it yesterday, actually. Oh. So I had a big exam yesterday, um, and then I came home, and I did the editing on the Rygar episode, and I um, found out that there was a collectible game store probably about 10 miles from where I live. So I went over there. Uh, just to, on a whim to see if they had it. They had it, and I bought it. It was $17, which I thought was not a, too bad of a price. It's about what it goes for online. And brought it home, played it a little bit yesterday. So, yeah. Sweet. Jay, do you, do you recall the first time you got this game? Yes, it was in 1989. And I believe I got it at one of the Jumbo videos, which is a... Uh, a video, like a movie rental chain that's no longer really around in Canada here. Uh, and I still have my original copy. And then, of course, you know, no spoiler, but obviously I got it again for the film. And I acquired that in London as well, my hometown. So I have still have my original. Love it. Cool. I'm assuming mine's my original, but uh, I don't know. I really don't know. It's weird because it's like the only game I don't know where it came from. So I don't know. But you should anyways, have just killed neighbor kid. Neighbor kid. Uh, that's the that's the easy out, right? I just blame it on neighbor kid. Neighbor kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think it's time we get to the game discussion. 
But let's let's talk about the game then. How about let's talk, let's just get into the potatoes portion, I guess, as you <laughs> would call it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the first thing I notice about this game, and this is something that really has nothing to do with the game, but uh, Zelda will let me enter my whole name whenever I'm entering the name on the select the name screen, your name in your file or whatever, and I just find that weird because there's so many games that will not let me put my whole name in because my name is like seven letters long, I think six or seven, and most games won't let me put it in. I have to put Mike, but Zelda, this game lets me do it. And there's all these games that come out in the 16-bit era and in the PlayStation era that would not let me enter my full name, but yet this one does. And I don't I don't understand the technical limitations there, but that's the first thing that I noticed when I turned this game that's, on. That's pretty cool, though. That's, again, why I think Zelda 2 is completely underrated. You can put your whole name in, man. That's awesome. Exactly. That makes it for me. I, they, I, I give it a 99 yeah. out of 100 just for that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I, am I sensing that you might not be a fan of Zelda 2? Is that what I'm get, picking up on here? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, getting into the, the whether or not I like it, I'll just go ahead and spoil it. I do like it. It's good. Don't, I, with a caveat, though, that being I enjoyed it about ten times more when I used a guide. So I kind of cheated. Well, I did cheat because I used a guide. Um, when I was a kid, I hated this game because I could not figure it out for the life of me. I would always get, I could figure out how to get into the first dungeon. I would get to that, uh, I think he's called an Iron Knuckle. He's like the knight, basically. Yeah. He's got the shield, and I would get to the first one of those guys and die every time. And I could never get past him when I was a kid. And I could never figure out what to do other than just go there and try to get past that guy. So when I was a kid, I just really could not stand this game. That's a, it's funny you mention that because that's exactly why I picked the game up this past summer. That was a game, you mentioned that your friend was scared of the, the game over Ganon screen. Uh, Zelda 2 was actually a game up until last summer that frightened me to play. And you know what I mean, like a game like uh, uh, Ninja Gaiden or something like that, where it's just hard as hell, you know, Mega Man 1, and it's kind of intimidating. So I played it for that very reason, because I'm like, you know what, I'm going to play this, and I'm going to master it. And I did. I, you know, I, I used the net for a few things, especially a lot of the dungeons. You can get lost really easily in those. So I used some walkthroughs for that. But um, I, I beat it, at, I, sorry, I finished it about three times in a row in one week. So I've conquered that fear. So yay for me. Yeah, I bet it feels good too, because a game that this, that's this hard always feels really good when you beat it. Oh, it's, it's still hard. I haven't played it for about six months. Um, and I still have that little bit of fear when I think about playing it because <laughs> we can get into the different parts whenever you want, but man, there's there's some parts that I just dread going through in that game. Yeah, well, see, we don't uh, just a little uh, bit about this show. We don't actually go into parts and segments once we start talking about the gameplay. It's just kind of random, so just whatever you want to talk about. My thing is Death Mountain is just the most ridiculous thing in a video game that I think I I can remember. Death Mountain is a gauntlet in which there's absolutely no way you can be prepared for what's in there. Unless you want to sit there and grind the little blobs for like 200 years. But do you know what I mean? You can go yeah. in with your sword at three and your life at one, but you can't have both. So it's like you really got to choose. Do you want to be able to take the enemies down really quick and have hope to God you're good at dodging? Or do you want to put it all in life and just repeatedly take the hits and the enemies take longer? So... Which one did you guys choose? 
Or did you go magic? Who knows? No, I definitely didn't go magic. I avoided magic at all costs because mm-hmm. it didn't make, I just it didn't make any sense to me. But all because at the beginning of the game, all you can do is put a sh- turn your tunic red or jump really high. You know, so. Well, the shield the shield does help. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, it does. It does help. But it, going back to when I was a kid too, I never understood what that was. I just I just like oh I can change colors in my shirt. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it took up until yeah my adult life before I really got the the, the concept of the game like the experience points and leveling up I, I didn't know what that was so again that was a factor back then where I think it kind of turned me off a bit because I didn't know what was going on it's so different from the first Zelda so. yeah it's it's wildly different and uh, no but I usually went towards the life I went for life most of the time because I'm terrible at dodging people in this game I needed all the life I could get. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I did. I think for my best run, I did sword because I just I studied and learned the pattern of the enemies. Um, it was I don't know their proper names, so forgive me. But the guys in Death Mountain that throw the axes, oh my god. Yeah, those guys are pretty. Those guys are pretty tough. I, I see them and they, <laughs> I, I get scared. I got to the point where I would try to use the jump magic and like jump over their heads and run away. But their axes are faster than you can run away, so they always just like axed me in the back as I would try to get away. Yeah, you can't block it, so you're gonna take a hit when you jump over them. They'll hit you, then they'll hit you at least one more time when you're running away. So you, you might as well face the music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, it's, it's interesting that you can have two completely different experiences with this game. Like, you know, like we're talking about when you're a kid, when you're an adult, because when you're when you're a kid, this game's really hard to understand. And it, well, even for me, when I was an adult, it was it, now it's kind of hard to understand. That's so why I had to use a guide every now and then. Um, but it's 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 interesting because it's two completely different experiences. I, I could not stand it when I was a kid, and I'm learning to love it. I'm not I'm not going to say I love it quite yet, but uh, yeah. the more I play it, the more I like it because it's kind of a I don't know their strategy, and the, the uh, it's it's definitely one of those games that you learn and with experience you get better at. Mm. Yeah, for me, for sorry, me it was. Yeah, sorry. So for me it was like. So I just got the game yesterday, obviously, uh, like with the story. And for me, it's always just like a kid, I guess. You bring it home, you pop it in the nest, you see what what we got going on, and quickly found out I'm gonna have to do some research on what I'm supposed to do because even in the early stages, it's like I'm not real sure <laughs> what's happening, and so for. And I guess for me to say, do I like it or not, I guess I'm going to have to say the jury's still out because uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time playing it. But uh, so far, so good. Yeah, I think um, there's a few things. I'm just going to go ahead and go into a couple of my gripes with this game. And and Jay, feel free to just jump in and and yell at me if these are not valid gripes in your opinion. But uh, I think the overworld thing, just the whole idea of the overworld is just kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't like it. I wish they would have went more, If I wish they would kind of went all in on the, uh, on the, on the 2D. Maybe made it more, I don't know, maybe more Metroid-like, I guess, I don't know. The overworld, in my opinion, is a very primitive Final Fantasy I kind of map. Except instead of the random encounters, you actually see the encounters, so you actually have a chance to dodge. It's pretty tough. Uh, but I see what you mean, yeah. It, it's a very, very primitive map, and nothing's to scale. And 
I think it's kind of ugly, too, compared to the rest of the game. Because I think this game's actually a, a beautiful game once it gets into the 2D and, and the characters and everything. But the overworld kind of... It's, it's kind of ugly, you know, it's kind it's of blurry weird. and stuff. you got to kind of almost wonder if uh, Miyamoto had, you know, two separate games in mind and kind of put them together because the map screen is so much different than the actual action. So, tough to say. But... Yeah, I, yeah I, could see, I could see where maybe they had, they were going in two different directions and then kind of came together at some point, maybe. Of course, that's just speculation, you know. But I, I kind of see where you're, what you're talking about there. Um, another thing that I... Well, it's not really a gripe. This is actually something I like about it. It's you know, the, it's incredibly difficult, but the sword play is um, I don't know. It's really interesting how the sword play interacts with with the the enemies that you're facing. Like we, I talked about the iron knuckle guy and how he's got a he's got a shield that goes up and down. You have to attack. There's certain times you have a very small window to attack him, and then the same thing when you get on deeper into the game, you get to the uh, like the Dark Link at the end. It, I mean, that that fight is almost impossible. Dark Link, yeah, obviously there's there's a, a cheat to do that. Um, the Iron Knuckle is just a simple uh, light tap on the A, and you tap him on just on the top of his head with your sword really quick, and you don't have to play that dodge game with his shield. Um, that was something I learned a long time ago. So those guys are pretty easy to... To defeat. Um, did you finish it, by the way? Can I ask that now? Or I've not finished it now. I've made it. I'm in Death Mountain right now, trying to make it through there. Okay. I, you... I just picked it up again this past week after 15 years of not playing it or something. So the the end boss is a character named Thunderbird, and in the Great Palace, which is the end, there's these little mini Thunderbirds that jump the entirety of the screen back and forth. So they're like iron knuckles that jump. That is the most, by far the most difficult enemy in the game. There's no rhyme or reason to how they move, and there's no pattern. You just you run. You just pray. <laughs> you, you just run. You, man. There's no yeah. So yeah, anyway, you, kind of, you brought up that there's little cheat ways of beating these guys, but I guess what I'm saying is you don't have to do that. You could actually fight them, and it feels kind of like a sword game. I don't know. Have you? You guys probably haven't played this game, but there's a game on Steam called... Uh, it starts with an N. It's like Nin, Nin Dog or something like that. Mm. It's basically a fencing game where you have either... You have like an up and a down level, and you can block the attacks up and down. And this this actually... I played that before I played this game. Or not before, but you know, in the past mm-hmm. 15 years before I played this game. And uh, this game actually reminds me a lot of that because you can block high, block low, and you can attack high and attack low, and the enemies, a lot of the enemies kind of do the same thing. So yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of fencing type uh, gameplay in this game, whether you want to use it or not, you know, because you, eventually you get the downward stab and you get all this stuff that you can do that you don't necessarily have to do that fencing type gameplay, but it's cool that that's kind of in the game. The, the combat in Zelda 2, and this is just my opinion, is my favorite combat and any Zelda game, because you have to be so precise. Every little attack has to be dead accurate. And I, I think, you know, that's why Link's sword is so small. But I think that adds to the challenge. And once you learn how to use Link, like once you get comfortable with using Link, the combat is so addicting and the boss fights are so rewarding. So Yeah, I could definitely see that. I'd, I'd like to... I'm obviously going to continue playing this game. I'd like to make it further... Um, 
it the, the something that's kind of been dragging me down though and trying to play this game and another another gripe that I have is whenever you run out of lives it spits you all the way back to Zelda and you have to start where she's asleep in the temple or whatever that is and every time it would do that I would have to ha I would have this inner struggle with myself do I want to <laughs> actually walk all the way back to where I was or do I want to just turn it off yeah. and do something else right now so just yeah. just a bit after Death Mountain actually right after Death Mountain you do get the hammer and the hammer is used to to break the blocks on the map screen. So mm -hmm. right right by the royal castle, when you go down the path by the first town, there's a block. So every time you die after Death Mountain, you just break that block and you go. You don't have to go all the way around again. Death Mountain is just a one-way trip. Once you do that, you never have to do it again. And I'll tell you, man, that is the most difficult part of the game. I think that almost is, is harder than the Great Palace, which is the last level. Because yeah. you're so undergeared for it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And that brings me to another gripe about this game also, and is that the difficulty curve is, I mean, it's it's not a steady, gradual curve like I'm used to in games. Because, I, I don't know, I guess I just turned into a big wuss when it comes to video games. I'm used to the game, <laughs> you know, kind of ramping me up slowly until I get there. This game is easy, 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 incredibly difficult, you know, all at once. Yeah. And it has that same thing that most NES games have. I don't know, it must have been a trend in the programming in the 80s, but the knockback. Oh, I hate the knockback. Like, like uh, again, Ninja Gaiden with the birds, right? You're trying to jump and you're smacked and you're like, oh my god. And it's, <laughs> it's like, you're dead, you're done, do it again. There's no start back, you know. Like the games of today, like Halo, you die, you start, you know, a checkpoint back, it's easy. But right. the older games, especially on the NES, you do it again, man. And I, I, I've got to be honest, I miss that in games. I miss the challenge. Yeah, well, it's so frustrating. It makes you, it makes you want to pull your own hair out. It's just like ah! <laughs> bending the controller over your knee. Yeah. Oh yeah. This game, I, I mean, my girlfriend can attest to it. I, I threw my Nintendo controller last summer more than I'm willing to admit. But that game is frustrating. But it teaches you to be a better player. I yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I, I agree with that. I think I've, I enjoy this game more every time I play it, which is which is, which is is a good, uh, oh, that's good game design right there because I get frustrated when I die and I quit playing, you know. But yeah. the, the next time I come back, I enjoy it more than the last time I played it, even though it made me so frustrated the last time I played it. Next time I turn it on, I like it even more. And yeah. I don't know if it—I don't know if you follow that same trend after you've beat it once or twice, but. So what I did was, um, actually, one of my good buddies, uh, Mason Kramer, who holds the world record in Super Mario Three, um, has helped me and kind of started to teach me how to do speed runs and just focus more on games. So I split my Zelda Two cart into the first save file was the first half of the game. And then the second save file was the second half. So what I would do is I would constantly go through the first half of the game, the first three palaces, shut it off, do it again. Shut it off, do it again. And you become so good when you do that. I've never really done that for any game. Uh, Zelda 2 was the first game that it just made me want to become a better player because it frightened me as a kid. I didn't understand it as a kid. And I didn't want to have that lingering over me, as silly as that sounds. I wanted to know why the game was so hard, and I wanted to conquer it. So I just kept practicing and practicing and practicing. 
That, that's an interesting approach. I've never actually thought of doing it that way. It's kind of what you do in a lot of games anyways, that when they force you to start back at the beginning, you can't save at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but taking it from the middle on, that that's what I find interesting. I never really thought about doing it. That way, because it's hard to practice the second half of the game, especially when you can't save it. Yeah, exactly. So I just went up to the end of the third palace and then reset it. And then, so the first save, like I just told you. So, yeah, it works, man. And it, it helps you on the back half of the game, which is just as difficult. I think something in this game also that um, really confused me when I was younger and tried to confuse me again here is the just kind of the general mechanic and the approach that you have to take to this game where the, you go to a town and then you kind of have to do like a side quest for somebody in the town. Yeah. And then you go back to the town and they give you your whatever power you need to progress in the game. And, you know, that's really confusing when the townsfolk don't really tell you a whole lot, which is kind of why I, I tried to use a guide a little bit this time. And, I'm, you know, I feel bad using a guide most of the time. But in this game and, a game, and games like this where... I don't know if it's translation or what, but it's hard for me to figure out what the townspeople are trying to get me to do for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, the the one lady says, I forget which town, but she's like, you know, I'm really thirsty. I could use some water. And and then you have to go and you walk just one board over and there's a fountain. And you just click on it and you get water. Like, how would you know how to do that? You know what I mean? It's like a lot of this stuff in Castlevania too. It's like, how would you ever figure that stuff out, you know? Right, and um, like the one that one that really stumped me, and I actually had to go to a guide for was um, when you have to get the bridge to extend across the two towns, kind of early in the game. Yeah. And you you have to know this guy. I can't remember his name. It's like Edgar or something. And the way you know him is by finding him in the middle of a forest, and you have to know that exact tile that he's in. Yeah. Yeah, and again, he's he's a real pain in the butt to get to because. That every screen around him, you have to go through a battle screen, then you get to him, then to exit, you have to go through another tough battle screen. So, uh, yeah, and you have to get to him to actually extend the bridge to continue the game. So, yeah. That so, was... let me tell you one of my gripes. I, I don't have a whole lot. Uh, one of them, though, everyone loves the items in Zelda, in all the Zelda games. I feel Zelda 2, the items are really, they're really lacking. Most of the items you get are to be used on the map screen, like the hammer. And, and the flute you only use at one point on the map to get by this big spider. That's one thing I thought they could have done a little bit better was the use of items. Even when you get the gauntlet or the glove, whatever you want to call it, Link just uses his sword still uh, on the fighting screens to break breaks. I mean, I thought they could have done that a bit better. Yeah, I could see that. And the thing is, they use a lot of the same items from the first game, but they all do completely different things. Like yeah. the like the candle, all it, all it does is light up the room. Whereas in the first game, it actually spit fire, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, like you said, the whistle, you just move the spider. But in the you know in the first game, it actually a tornado came and blew you away. I mean, the the same items did a lot cooler things in the first game than they did in the second game. They did, yeah. The candle just lights the room. I mean, it's it's passive, so you don't have to activate it. And actually, I can't remember the guy's name who has the world record on Zelda 2, but I watch him on Twitch from time to time, and he he completely skips the candle. So every cave he goes to, including Death Mountain, is black. And you should see this guy play, man. It's insane. You know, I wish that I wish I had that kind of focus with one game, where I could just learn where everyone is. You know, basically blindfolded. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I couldn't even make it past the uh, 
I guess it's like the second cave. I don't know. With the, the candle. Yeah. Oh, without the candle, yeah. yeah. Without the candle. I couldn't even do it. I couldn't do it. One of the boomerang guys. I couldn't make it past those guys without the candle. But that's just me. What do you um, guys think about the bosses? What do you think of the boss encounters? Uh, I thought the, I, I like them. I think the boss designs are really cool. I, I really like uh, I really like the first boss. I know it's kind of he's just kind of boring, but he's he's like a man with a horse head. I, I just really thought he was cool. yeah, the horse head. Yeah, which which is the only one that I really got to. But uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Man, he clobbers you across the screen. It's he just whacks you. It's like, whoa, okay, that hurt. <laughs> Which one was that? The the first boss, the horse guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's um I don't know. I think all the I think all the boss designs are really cool. I, of course I didn't see a lot of them because I didn't make it very far into the game. But uh the one I watched, you know, watching videos and stuff. I think the final boss being a shadow version of yourself is a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. I agree. I wish they would have done that more of that in other Zelda games moving forward. You know? I know they kind of did it in. Um, it was one of the N sixty four ones. You had to fight a shadow version of yourself. It was kind of difficult to do. I think it was one of the N sixty four ones. I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure. I don't think it was Majora's. It might have been Ocarina, but um. I, w- I was hoping that more Zelda games would adopt the uh, leveling up system that Zelda 2 did. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the only Zelda that's like that. That you actually get experience points and you put them into different categories. I really like that. I mean, it allows you to customize Link a bit more. You know, instead of going from dungeon 1, 2, 3, you're doing that, but you're also like putting your attributes into the attack or into your life. And that's a really cool, really cool idea. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't know why they kind of abandoned. They kind of abandoned almost everything that they did in this game moving forward. Which all, is the, weird. all the innovations that they did which in this is game. Weird because you, you know you guys were saying earlier how high it was in the top NES games of all time and all that kind of stuff. But it's not one that I ever in the community. I never hear a lot of people talk about Zelda Two. It's kind yeah. of like, forgive me for bringing up the CDI Zeldas, but it's almost like that. It's almost the black sheep where it's like, oh. You know, we don't really talk about Zelda 2. Yeah, it's there, but we don't really talk about it, you know. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's got uh, I think it's got a lot of people kind of in the same boat as me and you were intimidated, you know. It's got a lot of people intimidated. I think it's it gets it catches a bad rap for being so difficult. And yeah. a lot of people just ref- just don't take the time to experience it very much. And so it just kind of they just kind of move on past it. And don't take the time to invest in it and right. figure it out. And so it kind of gets forgotten about. Um, you, you brought up a point earlier, and you were talking about the, um, you know, you're talking about the battle screens and how you transfer between, like when we were trying to go find that guy in the woods, you you hit a certain spot on the map, or one of the guys comes and gets you, and it, it transfers to 2D and you're fighting, right? I've always wondered why. Um, other like RPGs didn't do something like this. Like you know, say Final Fantasy instead of um, just going to a screen where you click fight or you click magic and then you tell them what to do. Why? Where's a game that where um, you know you go into this battle screen all of a sudden it's like Street Fighter or something? I've always thought that would be a really cool idea. That Zelda kind of does a little bit here. Yeah, it's it's very unique and 
I mean, again, with the sales figures you guys said, where it was like the best-selling game, or from whatever year it came out, or whatever. It's weird because again, nobody talks about it. Nobody copied the idea. It's kind of just on its own, and it's it's a real shame, man. Like you never, when you talk about remakes, you know, you're gonna do HD remake. It's always the same. It's always Ocarina, Majora's, blah blah blah, all those ones. But no one ever brings Zelda two into that ring. I would love to yeah. see. Zelda 2 remake. I think that would be awesome. This is nothing. This is nothing against this game. I just was just gonna play devil's advocate and throw this out there. I wonder if the success and its sales was because of the popularity of the first Legend of Zelda, and wonder if if the game with this much difficulty would have been as successful if it wasn't a sequel to the to to a game that was so popular. Yeah, but you you also have to remember that. The Legend of Zelda, that was the first one in the series. Zelda 2 was the second, obviously. My point mm-hmm. being that there wasn't really a norm for it. They were still trying to find its way. And I think the the majority of people preferred the three-quarter top-down view of Zelda 1. So that's kind of mm-hmm. where they went with the rest of it. Because there was only two to compare it to, so which one is the norm? Like, when you know they're talking about Zelda 3 back in the day, which was obviously linked to the past... We didn't know what kind of style it was going to be. You know, as a kid, I was wondering, is it going to be the top-down view or the side view? So, Yeah, I think, I think you know, they kind of... Uh, I think when, when The Link to the Past came out, I think that kind of cemented what Zelda was going to be moving yeah. forward. I think whenever, whenever it came out and it was just so awesome and made so much money and everybody loved it, I think that cemented that idea into Nintendo's mind that we're never going back to the Zelda 2 style of gameplay. Which is okay. a shame. It is a shame, but but there's no doubt. I mean, I think I could speak for all of us. They made the right decision. I mean, that is the classic Zelda format. I mean, that is mm-hmm. how I think of Zelda, at least. Even over the 64 ones, which I, I you know are dear to my heart, I, I think of Zelda, I think of the three-quarter view, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something we haven't touched on, and as we're kind of starting to wrap it up here, I don't want to skip out on this, and that's the music. I think this game has some of the best music that uh, on the NES period, like out of all the games on the NES. Yeah. It's got such an interesting sound that you it, it, it makes these noises that you don't hear in any other game. And I don't anybody who's heard the music knows what I'm talking about, but it's I don't know these just some of the noises that are in the music and some of the sound effects. I did. I don't ever hear on any other game on the on the NES period. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. It has the same kind of eerie feeling that Majora's Mask does, in my opinion. It has that really dark tone to it. Uh, the palace theme, especially, I love, and they actually use that theme in Smash Brothers a lot on the Zelda stage, which is pretty cool. So I guess Zelda Two lives on a little bit. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's got that really awesome bass line in the palace. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. It's a great great score. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I mean, I, I, that's pretty much all I had to say about this game. I mean, I could probably keep rambling on, but um, you know, we want to keep this show at its normal time frame. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about the game before we go into retrofitted trophies? Any last words? Um, I just want to say, you know, if you guys haven't given Zelda two a fair shake, uh, don't be discouraged when you die. Just just keep practicing <laughs> because you will get rewarded. If if you do get to the end and finish this game, you'll be drenched in sweat, but you'll be you'll be loving it. 
quite an achievement. Yeah. Uh, I'd hate to see my Challenge wife walking on me, like sweating, <laughs> pan panting. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with that game? That's I don't weird. believe that you've been playing. I don't, I don't believe you've been playing video games. I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. So. Gaze upon the mantle at the retrofitted trophies. That's funny. So, All did, right. do you guys have any uh, any retrofitted achievements? Justin, did you come up with anything? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> I did. But uh, uh, go ahead. How many do you have? I've got three. Okay. Um, first one, I'm going to call the Godfather Special, and that is Kill Five Mini Horse Heads. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Godfather, <laughs> famous scene, you know. Do you have to put them in Mario's head. bed when you're done? Yeah, yeah. You put them in Mario's bed. Okay. <laughs> and he wakes up. And, yeah. Okay. So. It's a little creepy, but uh, I dig it. Mm -hmm. uh, my achievement is uh, where are my pants? And that is uh, let's just play the game and, and just kind of look at the Link character and realize he's not wearing any pants. Yeah, you know what? That's true. I didn't notice that. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. He's just wearing like uh, boots and a dress. Or not a dress. But it's, a long tunic. it's a tunic. It's a tunic. Okay. Yeah. It's a tunic. Uh, I guess he's kind of got he's kind of got the Greek mythology thing going on, but uh, he doesn't have any pants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a, like a yeah, like a uh, what's I can't think of his name. The in Troy, uh, Achilles. You know, he had the shield on his shins and everything. It was yeah. kind of remind me of that. That's kind of the Link look, which it works out for him when he gets in the swamp, you know, because he doesn't get his pants dirty. Well, yeah. So right. yeah, and and when he has to use the bathroom, he's 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 set. <laughs> he just lets it. Go. <laughs> yeah, he just lets it go. I should have named I should name this trophy Easy Access. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Jay, have you thought of any during the show? Um. Well, since you guys sprung this on me, uh, my fault for not checking it out. But I, I have only one. It's not very funny. But I was just thinking of uh, the most difficult thing that I did. I'll call my achievement uh, the Dirty Birdie. Uh, now, this is when I defeated Thunderbird without actually taking a hit. Ooh. Was, um, I did also lose 10 pounds because I was drenched in sweat. <laughs> When you guys get to Thunderbird, you'll know what I mean. So that's all I got. That's my only achievement. That's a good one. Well, I, I challenge any any of our listeners out there to get that one. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Probably a tricky one to get. Justin, you have another one. Can you hear me? I can now. Okay. Edit that out. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> good. That's a recurring joke, Jay. Usually when we say edit that out, it just kind of gets left in. It always gets left uh, in. <laughs> so. It's live, man. Anything goes, right? That's the beauty. That's right. That's yeah. right. Speaking of live, here comes my next trophy. It's called Live Mountain, and that is make it past Death Mountain. Nice. Okay, cool. I've got one called uh, 
it's similar to that, but I named mine. I think I'm, I think I like my trophy name better. It's called yeah. a con- Conquer the Crag, the Aggro Crag, and that oh. is make it make it through Death Mountain. <laughs> nice, I like that. Make, make it through Death Mountain without uh, destroying your controller or TV. There you go. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I only had two. You got you got your third. Yeah, my third one is uh, it's called Lady of the Night, and that is get healed in the town by one of the ladies. <laughs> quote quote unquote healed. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, she, you, you you. It's I always thought it was weird. Uh, you go to this town and you talk to this lady. She says, "Come inside, let me help you." And then you come back out and you're full of life. And I love that too because it's like a behind closed doors thing, right? They just leave the camera, the door shuts, and right. then you come back out and he's all like happy and stuff. It's like, oh, <laughs> maybe she made him soup. Who knows, right? Yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's only for uh, the de- developers and Link to know. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. What happens there stays there. That's right. Okay. Well, good trophies. How about uh, how about a rating, Justin? What's an idea for a rating? Mm. Mm. We all got our opinions. What's yours? It's time for game rating. Uh, Jay, uh, we do give these games ratings, but they are usually meaningless. They don't really mean uh, anything. So you <laughs> like a number score kind of rating, or no, like um type of soup you know it's just really meaningless i don't know why we do it but it's funny and it's it's enjoyable give me a so, go you guys go first give me an example then i'll okay. then i'll play catch up how about how about type of mountain since we talked about death mountain okay all right well now, that's, that's easy i'm gonna steal it before you guys do it's got to be mount everest in my uh, yeah yeah okay okay well then i'm gonna call this one. one actually i'm gonna call this one mount olympia there you go. Which is the the mountain of the gods, because yeah. once you once you climb this mountain, you're basically a NES god. Yeah. Do you how do you, how do you guys think? I don't want to go off topic here, but how do you think this rates uh, in the most difficult NES games you've played? Is it up there for you guys, or? Yeah, it's definitely up there for me. So far, I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was. I'm gonna go ahead and give my mountain, and this is kind of tell you how I think the difficulty is. Um, I'm gonna give it K two. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And K two. If you guys are familiar with any with mountain climbing, K two is the deadliest mountain in the world. Uh, um, it's the most difficult mountain to climb. It's the second tallest in the world, and it's uh, close to Everest. But uh, it's only like a sixty percent survival rate for people to climb it. So. And you got to be pretty crazy to attempt it, right? So that goes exactly. Along. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I would say that out of the games that I've played for the show, this is probably, this might be the hardest one that I've played so far for the show. As far as total games, um, I don't know, it's definitely up there. It's probably the most enjoyable diff- difficult game. I would say that there's a few more difficult, like maybe Silver Server or something that's just not fun. And difficult because it's not designed well, but yeah, yeah. But as far as enjoyable games, this is probably one of the definitely one of the more difficult ones. The, the Famicom yeah. version is actually a lot easier than the NES one. If you've ever played the Famicom one, quite a bit easier. I have not. What, what makes it easier? This is just what I've read. I don't have a copy of it. Um, 
but when I was really getting into it last summer, yeah, a lot of a lot of the enemies uh, take less hits. I think was the big thing. So not the bosses, but like the the main enemy enemies, like in Death Mountain and stuff, like the boomerang guys and whatnot. They just take less hits. So there you go. <laughs> That's cool. This is always the best part of the show. We call it Deep Powder Feedback or Listener Feedback. Let's go with Deep Powder. All right, so we're going to plow through some feedback real quick, Justin. Yeah, all right. So I'm going to go with our group page feedback. All right. So uh, start off with Nate Glines, who says, love it. Landon Long said, uh, good game, very difficult at times, but so worth it once you finish. I also like that it's more of an action RPG. It's so different from than the first Zelda. Uh, Chris Va- Volant says, underrated game. Joe Koppel, Koppel? Uh, what, did we ever figure out how to say his last name? Mm, no. Koppel. Okay. Honestly, haven't played this game much. As a kid, I hated it. Because it wasn't like the first. I can't wait to hear you guys take on this. Hey, he uh, did. Uh, Joe did let you know that he's not naked. He's not fully naked in his picture. Okay. He did. He did. Yeah. He did want. He did want to tell you. He did want to make sure you knew that he's not fully naked. He's just shirtless. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Philemon said uh, most speedrunners hate this game or just think that it's garbage. I love Beaver Zelda. Uh, Ryan Hussey said, uh, I was never a huge fan of this game overall, but within the last year or two, I actually sat down and finally went to beat it. To, to me, it just never really felt like a Zelda game, sort of like American version of Super Mario Bros. 2. It was good in its own right, but just felt out of place. The game was definitely a challenge, however. Uh, I, may ar- I may argue that point a little bit. I think it does feel like a Zelda game, and I think Super Mario 2 feels like a Mario game. But yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that, man, 100%, definitely. Yeah. Ryan R. Jackson said, uh, my favorite game for the NES. My friends and I spent many a sleep over playing this game late into the night. And Aaron Hickman said, honestly, what would have made this game better, though I still think it's a good game, would have been to commit to the side-scrolling perspective the whole time. It's a little jarring moving from an overworld with no action to side view for most random battles and the occasion, occasional cave, town, or dungeon. I guess I'll just have to wait for the dudes to cover Faxanadu or Fazanadu. Oh, snap, they did, or Battle of Olympus. Side note, I'll never get Ganon's laugh out of my head every time I died. It used to creep me out. It's also a very similar laugh to Bald Bull and Soda Popinski in Punch-Out!, that's kind of like right. a. I feel like that's kind of like a patented Nintendo laugh. They use it a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Nick DeMarco said, "Underappreciated and horribly misjudged by critics." A fond piece of my childhood. Uh, Jesse Benson said, "Love me some Zelda. I'm a bigger fan of the first game, but in my opinion, The Adventures of Link is a fun and challenging game too. Can't wait to hear the dudes' opinions on the game." John Wedgworth, I'm one of the radical minority lunatic friends who actually likes Zelda 2 better than Zelda 1. Following I rather uh, following I rather than 2 was the right decision for the franchise. But I still lament 
there not being any sort of offspring to two. Maybe this is why I like the CDI Link and Zelda Duo, even though they're terrible because they're side-scrolling Zelda games. Wait, did I just uh, hear him say he likes the CDI Zelda? Yes. Yes. Okay. And Andy Layton says, uh, as a kid, didn't care for it. Played a little here and there, but nothing like the first one. I've played it some within the past year, and I appreciate it more than as a kid. Just different, not always a bad thing. Daniel Walker said, I am not a fan of this one. I'm a huge fan of the Zelda series, so I keep popping this in every couple of years and trying to make myself get through it because other Zelda fans seem to like it, but I just never have any fun with it. Greg Polander says, I really enjoyed this game, even if it's not the same as the other Zelda games. I really like everything about it. The music is quite good. I enjoy the side view action scenes. Using and learning magic is fun. The enemies are really varied, and it's a good challenge. Not the best Zelda game, but a fun romp. And Stephen Stone said, Ah, very nice. Dipping into my corner of nostalgia. Can't wait to listen. All right, some good feedback there. That's a lot of feedback. People yeah. must. Everybody's got an opinion about this game. There's. Uh, we've actually got a ton on our Facebook page too. But I'm going to use this as an opportunity to encourage people to join our group instead of our page, and also to <laughs> kind of move move this podcast along a little bit. So, if you want your feedback to be read, guaranteed, then join our group and comment there. Uh, we'll try to get to both, but for sake of time, sometimes we may not get to every piece of feedback. Mm-hmm. But the group's a good place to be. We do. We do a lot of. Uh, Interaction, a lot of enter- entertaining NES talk. And what do they call it? What, what do they call our group? Two dudes in an S. No, no, no. They, they call it something else. The best place to be. The place to be. The best page on <laughs> Facebook? No. The best and the place to be. Place to be. Okay. All right. Cool. So. Uh, we did get one question, Jay, for you. And it's sure. a pretty simple question. Uh, when can we watch the movie? This is from the Hunnic Outcast. He wants to know when when when's the movie actually going to be available. We are starting screenings as early as June this year. Um, every month we're doing screenings all across North America. Um, the official launch will be September, October this year. Uh, where you can actually pick up your copy of the disc. Um, But we do have, like I said, a number of screenings across the country, so just check out our Facebook page, guys. Meet us around. We're going to L.A., Beverly Hills, Texas, Ohio, Pennsylvania. We're going all over the place, London, uh, my hometown. So check us out, and uh, it'll be available later this year. Yeah, and if I'm, we'll hopefully get this podcast out before the Kickstarter. So if you're listening to this, and there's probably still at least a few days left on the Kickstarter. When does the Kickstarter end? Uh, the 6th or the 7th of February. I think it's the 6th, yeah. Okay, yeah. This podcast should be out before then. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, hurry over to their Kickstarter and uh, pick up a DVD. And try to push them towards that, uh, that illustrious NES cart game. That, so that we can review it on Two Dudes in an S. Yeah, Rob yeah. and I had a brainstorming session the other day, just all the ideas we want to come up with. So we really want to get this funded. Um, and, you know, you two guys, thank you for the support. You guys are always liking and sharing our statuses and all that, and I really do appreciate it. The uh, gaming community is something that we're quite proud of being a part of. So thank you. 
Yeah, you guys are the thank you. couple. Of, yeah, we, thank you. You guys are a couple of the busiest guys in uh, in the retro gaming community right now, and you still make time to come on our little podcasts. So we definitely appreciate it. Well, Justin, you want to f- close out the show? Tell them how they can find us. Yeah, you can find us on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we are on there. Follow, as Michael said, join the group so you can join the discussion, and it is the place to be. You can find our websites, uh, nesdudes.com, nintendudes.com, or twodudesinanest.com. And as always, we really appreciate it if you give us a call. And how can they call us, Mike? Uh, with their telephone. Exactly. Seven seven five seven retro one. Calls, call today and uh, make your donation, your vocal donation to the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Jeff. Right. It was fun. Yeah. yeah thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Rob and I can be on together soon, and uh, we'll stir up some, uh, yeah. raise some hell. <laughs> yeah. All right. Definitely. That was great. I guess I got some hell to raise with Rob for sure. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I see him. <laughs> just right. kidding, just kidding. Alright. Here comes the sounds for next week's game. Oh wait, 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 sorry. Sorry, sorry. I gotta say this because we're we're ditching Potomatic. Uh if you're listening to this from Potomatic or from an iTunes feed that's really old, then you need to unsubscribe from us, delete us, and then resubscribe to us because we changed our feed. We are no longer using Potomatic because those guys are jerks. To us at least, they were jerks. So uh, that's going away. March in March, that's going away. So if you're if if it's after March and you haven't heard any more podcasts, then you probably need to unsubscribe, delete, and resubscribe. So yeah, and we'll try to keep reminding you. So sorry about that. All right, now music next week.